The following is a hoop ball presentation. Ten days before Lakers training camp, and we're back like we never left. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, adults of all ages, thrilled to have you return to the Hoop Ball Lakers podcast. What's up, everybody? I'm your main man, Ethan Noroff, and on today's episode, we're stoked because Lakers season is right around the corner. All the off-season narratives can finally get retired, and we're ready to see some real live basketball and let the action speak for itself. I know everybody's got questions. Who's starting? What's Kyle Kuzma doing? Is Dwight Howard really a thing on this team? What's going to happen with Anthony Davis and the LeBron James pairing? It's an exciting time to be a Lakers fan. I can't remember this much anticipation going into a season since Kobe retired. So Lakers are here. Next week and a half is going to fly by, and you know we got to get it out to you before that happens. But before we begin, I would be remiss not to mention the following thing. If you're like me, you might be feeling a little tired right now for two reasons. Part of it is you're in your daily swing of things. For me, that means school's in full-blown session, high school, rocking, ready to roll. For you, that might mean your line of work, your career, your job, whatever you do with your time is a little extra demanding. And you might be thinking, oh man, I don't know how I'm surviving the day right now without caffeine because as I'm looking across from my iced coffee right now, that's definitely a thought I'm having on the daily. And in order to fuel us fully over here, you know we got to give a shout out to our main our main folks over at Hawaiian Isles Kona Coffee because they're the bomb. They keep us fu fully fueled. You can find them on Amazon and pretty much anywhere where your previous favorite coffee was sold. And I always say your previous favorite coffee because once you try this, you ain't going back. Take it from a hardline customer who will not touch another brand now. So shout out to the peeps over at Hawaiian Isles Kona Coffee. We appreciate you. And on today's episode of the Hoop Ball Lakers podcast, it's going to be a little bit of a mishmash of everything because we got some stuff we got to catch up on and a little bit of review. I want to go through a little bit of Mike's mailbag, Mike Trudell over at Lakers.com. Wonderful play-by-play -play sideline host, writer, producer, content master, does everything for the Lakers. Guy is unbelievable. He is a staple on that team, much like Kobe was back in the day, much like Magic before him, Wilt before him, et cetera, et cetera. Mike Trudell, shout out to you, my man. We're going to go through some of his thoughts because he always has great insight on the team. And specifically, I want to talk about the point guard position when it comes to what he's got to say. We're also going to go over a little bit of the style of play and what this team's going to look like. We're going to talk about Kyle Kuzma. Is he going to start? Is he going to be a six-man? Is he going to play small forward, power forward, center? He might even wind up in the backcourt. Well, not really, but we're going to go over his role. We're going to take a stab at what the starting five might look like to start camp at the very least, and then we're going to focus really into the AD narrative, and we're going to talk about LeBron and what his role is in this process. We're really going to zoom in on AD. So that's the outline for today's show. Make sure that you subscribe. Make sure you leave that review, that feedback. We can't grow without all of you, and I appreciate all the effort you guys put into it because it's impossible to do it without you. So when it comes to Mike's mailbag, I want to really zoom in on this point guard position. I think when the Lakers signed Avery Bradley, many people had the following thought. They said, okay, I don't know, really know much about Avery Bradley these days. Haven't watched too much of him since his Boston days. You know, maybe watched a little bit of him with the Clippers, but he was so injured during his tenure there. Then he went to Memphis. I think a lot of Lakers fans sort of tuned him out, for lack of a better way to say it. But when the Lakers signed him, I said, okay, this is a, this is a fair, fair deal, right? Maybe he could have been had on the minimum, but maybe there was competition for his services. So you give him the exception. That's fine. But I think a lot of people said, okay, A.B. is really a, a two guard in a one's body. And what I mean by that, he's, he's more of a shooting guard in a point guard size because he's never really been viewed as a traditional quote-unquote point guard. Well, you know what? 
he might just be a traditional quote unquote point guard on this team. And that's what Mike lists on his depth chart in the mailbag, right? So when you look at Mike's mailbag, you're going to see Avery Bradley's name under the point guard position instead of the shooting guard position. And if that's the depth chart the Lakers are going to roll with, and there's really no reason to assume why not, then it changes a little bit on the wing and it sort of heightens the need for another wing. Because if you've got in the backcourt, Avery Bradley, Alex Caruso, Rajon Rondo, Quinn Kirker, your point guard options. Then on the wing, you're looking at Danny Green, KCP, and Troy Daniels next to LeBron and Kyle Kuzma and Taylor Horton Tucker. And we, as much as we as Lakers fans want to sit here and say, wow, the Lakers got a steal with Taylor Horton Tucker, can't believe he was still available, et cetera, et cetera. The reality is none of us have really seen him play when it comes to NBA competition. We really don't know what we can expect. And on a team that has legitimate championship aspirations, please don't tell me you're going to rely on a second round pick to play a crucial role. Okay, so let's just get that out of the way right now. And of course, Jared, Dudley is also another option on the wing, but on this depth chart, he's listed as a power forward. So I want to keep that in mind. I think if I'm building this depth chart, Kyle Kuzma and Jared Dudley probably swap places, but both of those guys are going to spend time with the three or four. It's going to be interchangeable, especially defensively, depending upon who else is out there. But I want to focus on the point guard position. We'll get back to the starting five. Because if Avery Bradley is going to get serious consideration at the point guard spot, it changes the dynamic of this starting five. If you remember way back when, in the early stages of the offseason, we heard, guess what? The Lakers are going to start LeBron James at point guard next year. They're not going to even start a quote-unquote point guard. Well, regardless of where LeBron James starts, you have to imagine that he's going to be the primary ball handler on this team. And for that reason, to me, it makes the most sense to either start Avery Bradley or Alex Caruso at the point. And I love Quinn Cook for what he brings to the table. He's definitely a dynamic shooter from downtown. But I think that type of player might be a better spark off the bench, at least to start, versus within the starting five. Because off the bench, Quinn Cook can look for himself a little bit more versus in the starting five where he's got to balance it between LeBron and AD, not to mention who else winds up alongside him. So if you're looking at Avery Bradley as a starting point guard, then it changes the the dynamic. But what about Alex Caruso? Because when Alex Caruso was re-signed, there was this legion of Lakers fans that all said, oh, Alex Caruso should be the starter. Forget about Rajon Rondo. Well, I want to bring up something I've said before, and I think this is important. The Lakers made a bigger commitment to Alex Caruso, to Quinn Cook, and to Avery Bradley than they did to Rajon Rondo. So if you're going strictly by salaries, I think that's telling. If and only if, it means that Rajon Rondo is not guaranteed to be locked in as a starting point guard. And as much of a bummer as it was that DeMarcus Cousins went down before he could ever really wear a Lakers uniform, I actually think that DeMarcus Cousins' absence is going to result in Rajon Rondo not starting for this team. If if DeMarcus Cousins were healthy and he's the starting center on opening night, Dwight Howard's never in the picture, et cetera, et cetera, you have Anthony Davis and DeMarcus Cousins as your four and five, I think the chances of Rajon Rondo starting on opening night are exponentially higher because of the success they had in New Orleans together. But because DeMarcus Cousins is now now no longer in the picture, I think Rajon Rondo's chances of starting actually have gone down precipitously. So we're going to see how that shakes out. But to go back to Caruso, right? Caruso is a really interesting player because not only did he show signs of real improvement toward the end of last season, I mean, he was downright balling at one point. Now, granted, you can't really take the last 10 games of any NBA regular season as a sample size for what to expect moving forward, just because there are so many moving parts, guys are resting, guys are injured, playoff races are impacted, et cetera, et cetera. 
But I do think it's worth examining the chemistry. And Caruso basically said as much about a week ago or earlier this week. He said, look, you know, LeBron makes my life easier. You know, it's really easy to play with him and be out there together. Now, I don't care if it's Alex Caruso, Ethan Noroff, or anyone else. Obviously, LeBron James makes the game easier. But let's look at the data. And that's actually what Mike Trudell already did for us. Because when you're looking at just two-man lineup data with Rondo and LeBron, They had a 115.5 O rating last year, 110.9 D rating. That's good for a negative 5.4 net rating in 602 minutes across 35 games. So it's a pretty substantial sample size. Basically, to translate that, it means they're not scoring enough on offense. They're giving up too much on defense. And as a result, it's not going well. But then you look at Caruso and LeBron. Caruso and LeBron had a 117.7 O rating, 102.6 D rating, and a net rating of plus 9.1 in 147 minutes, only 10 games. So obviously the sample isn't quite as large. You're looking at about a quarter of the time with Caruso that Rondo had. But the data is certainly encouraging, and I do want to make this make this qualifier. Two-man lineup data is not five-man lineup data, and basketball has played five-on-five five at the NBA level, Okay. So we can isolate two-man data all we want. The reality is it's going to be impacted by more than those two guys. I think that's important because I've spent a lot of time recently even talking with my students in class about selective emphasis of information. And we can basically use any information we want to reinforce a point. But if you're unwilling to even recognize the other side of that coin, then your argument's always going to be shallow. Okay, It's important to consider that. And we see this a lot in sports. We see it as we want to qualify this, therefore I'm going to use this statistic, that statistic, that statistic, and I'm going to ignore all this stuff that goes against what I'm trying to say. And I get it. I understand why people do it, but I think it's important to throw out there as just something to think about and consider, okay? Let's not lose sight of the forest for the trees, in other words. But I do think Caruso's chemistry, his success with LeBron, and the improvement he's shown both as a shooter and as a defender give him a leg up as the starting point guard. I also think his size is an important factor in this mix, especially because if you are going to start some combination of Contavious Caldwell-Pope and Danny Green at the shooting guard and small forward positions, you're going to need some size out there. Otherwise, you're looking at a team that could be very small in the backcourt, very large in the frontcourt, and not a lot in between, which again is why somebody like Andre Iguodala, if he's ever freed out of his purgatory in Memphis, would be the ideal player for this team. But I wonder if the Lakers don't want to wait out Iguodala at a certain point if they look at a guy like Iman Shumpert. Now, obviously, that's a big drop-off, not only for durability reasons, but also for ability reasons and basketball IQ reasons and leadership reasons and a lot of off-court stuff. Iguodala would be a wonderful fit for this locker room. But right now, that's not something the Lakers can, can count on. They're definitely interested. I can sit here and tell you for a fact, 100%, the Lakers are interested in Andre Iguodala. And I can also tell you for a fact that Andre Iguodala is interested in the Lakers, right? But just because two parties are interested in each other doesn't mean they're going to wind up together. That's a life lesson. But for a fact, there is mutual interest on both sides. And I think with the Lakers, you also have to consider the style of play when it comes to the starting five, right? I don't know that Caruso will wind up as, as the starting point guard. I think a lot of it is going to depend on how Avery Bradley looks in training camp. And by all accounts so far, he's looked pretty good. Closer to his Boston self than we've seen over the last several years. Okay, but it's also been a few years since we've seen that. So we have to see what Avery Bradley looks like. Right now, tentatively, I'm going to put Avery Bradley as the starting point guard. 
which I know is probably going to surprise some people, especially if you're rooting for Caruso or you thought Quinn Cook might be the guy. But I don't think the Lakers are bringing in Avery Bradley just to be a complimentary bench piece if he has the capacity to be more, especially at what they're paying him. This team under Frank Vogel, you also have to consider this. This is a huge part of the Avery Bradley push, the Danny Green push. This team is going to identify itself differently. In other words, it will not be the run-and-gun offense that Luke Walton so desperately wanted from this group. Okay, It will not be. This Lakers team needs to build itself around a style of play that is slower. LeBron is not 25 anymore. Anthony Davis, as athletic as he is, is not meant to just run like a gazelle freely. And Dwight Howard looks like he's in better shape, looks like he's trimmed down quite a bit, looks like he's got something to prove, but he's not exactly running up and down the court at the speed of Usain Bolt out there. So this team is going to have to play deliberately slower. And that's fine. And in fact, this team really needs to assume a defensive identity. That's the bigger point. Because the offense won't be a problem. Okay, this Lakers team has as much talent as I've seen in a number of years. Offensively, especially, you have a number of guys, obviously led by LeBron and AD, who are more than capable of getting their shot off and scoring. But if this team doesn't commit on the defensive end, it doesn't matter. And that's the identity I think these Lakers have to assume, especially with their new head coach and Frank Vogel. I think that's going to be critical for their success. So for that reason, AB is my starting point guard. And let's look at the starting five. Since we're talking about it, let's just get there and let's look at it. Okay? If you're asking me to build a starting five today, here's what I'm going to tell you. Is Avery Bradley at the point? It's Contavious Caldwell-Pope at the two. Is Danny Green at the three? And you can – those two players are interchangeable. Look, one's going to play one way on offense and one's going to play one way on defense. Okay? Danny Green's going to guard the other team's best wing player. KCP's going to guard the other guy. And offensively, they can interchange those two spots. They're going to be shooters regardless. I think we get pigeonholed when we talk about positions in terms of traditional shooting guard, small forward, power forward, point guard, center, et cetera, et cetera. Okay? It's not really even really et cetera because those are the five positions. But I like to think of it as, oh, big, shooter, ball handler, et cetera, more like that. And I think that's the way these Lakers are looking at it because otherwise you're, you're looking at the wing going, wow kind of shallow, right? So I, w- I wonder if there's a situation where Avery Bradley, Danny Green, KCP all start, and maybe you even put LeBron at center, right? Maybe it's not Dwight or JaVale. I doubt it. I really doubt it. But maybe they get that creative. So let's, let's retry this, okay? Obviously, LeBron's going to start. Obviously, AD's going to start. I think Dwight Howard is going to start on this team. I don't think JaVale McGee is going to start. And when Dwight Howard signed and and our friend Dan, Dan Bespris sat here and said, is there a place for Dwight Howard to start on this team? I said, eh, maybe, but I'm not sure yet. You know what? I've come around. I think Dwight Howard starts on this team. And don't get it confused because I don't think Dwight Howard is going to play major minutes unless he shows he is capable and deserving of playing major minutes. That's a long road for Dwight to prove. We're not anywhere close to that yet. But the reality is JaVale McGee fits more as a rim runner with Rajon Rondo, Quinn Cook, or whoever, whatever point guard is running that up and down second unit than he does in the first. Dwight Howard might start both halves, play six minutes in the first quarter, 
come back, play four minutes in the second quarter, might be a 20-minute player. You have JaVale McGee play 15 to 20 minutes, and then you play six to eight minutes with AD inside at the five. That's very well could be the case. And Dwight and JaVale split the center minutes just like that. So if those three guys start, that means KCP's out of the starting lineup because you know Danny Green's starting. That leaves one spot. That's point guard. That's Avery Bradley for me. So again, Avery Bradley, Danny Green, LeBron James, Anthony Davis, Dwight Howard. Sorry, KCP, you got bumped to the bench. Blame LeBron. Of course, he's the reason you've gotten paid by the Lakers for the last two years and for the next two years moving forward, so don't blame him too much, right? We call that the LeBron tax. That's KCP salary. It was a major brain fart not to include LeBron in the first starting five, obviously, for anyone who caught that. Okay, But we adjust. We're on the fly. That's what we do here. Some of you may be wondering, well, I didn't hear Kyle Kuzma's name. What's the deal? Because I feel like he should start. You know what? Kyle Kuzma does deserve to start on a number of NBA teams, but not this one. And it's not really a dig at the player. It's more what this team needs from Kyle Kuzma. Frank Vogel and the Lakers need Kyle Kuzma to be a player who can cut, who can run, who can hit open threes, who can rebound, and who can defend. They need him to be versatile. They need him to be willing to embrace a number of roles. They need him to be willing to rack up nine assists on one night and 35 points on another if it's necessary, but not always play the same role. And I think that will be Kyle Kuzma's greatest challenge because when he first came into the league, nobody expected anything of him, and he more or less had free reign once he established himself with the Lakers to be a scorer. Last year, Lakers didn't need him to be a scorer, and that's all he was interested in doing. We call that the D'Angelo Russell effect. Okay, I just made that up right now. It's what does this team need from me if I'm Kyle Kuzma? The good news is we've seen, we've seen evidence to suggest that his three-point shot should get back on track. It's one thing to see it in practice. It's one thing to see it with Team USA. It's one thing to see it in, team, in training camp. It's a whole other thing to see it in the regular season. You can practice, 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 but a lot of players revert back to habits once the season starts because that's what they've, that's what they've known for more, for a longer period of time. Is Kyle Kuzma capable? Yes. But is he willing? Different question. I think he is. I think Kyle Kuzma saw all the attempts the Lakers made to bring in that quote-unquote third star and said, you know what? Why don't the Lakers think I can be that player? And I think he's got something to prove. And really, he should. The Lakers basically said to him, hey, Lonzo Ball's out. Josh Hart's out. Brandon Ingram's out. We traded all those guys, all those picks for Anthony Davis because we believe in you. So it's time for both sides to put their money where their mouth is and show why Kyle Kuzma can be that guy. And I still think Kyle Kuzma will play 30-plus minutes again even though he'll be sixth man. Can he be sixth man of the year? He could be. But typically, sixth man of the year isn't necessarily a guy who does it all. It's more of that instant offense off the bench. And I'm not taking anything away from Lou Williams, but that's why he stands out for that, for that role. Jamal Crawford in years past, J.R. Smith, et cetera, right? That seems to be what gets recognized. Hopefully, Kyle Kuzma can change that narrative because if Kyle Kuzma wins sixth man of the year or is even a leading candidate, that means things are going really well for the Lakers. That means everybody's healthy as well because any injury to the starting five and Kyle Kuzma's the first guy in there. I don't care what seat is emptied. Kyle Kuzma's going to be the guy in. Almost has to be. Okay. And I think Kyle Kuzma with the second unit is really more preferable for him as well because it allows him to, to get that offense off. With AD and LeBron, if he's in the starting lineup, he's at best a third option every minute he shares the floor with them. But if he's staggered with one of those two, 
and or he's out there by himself, he's the first or secondary option. That's a more familiar role for him. And usually in the waves of change, we like to give people things that are familiar so they can navigate them a little bit more, a little bit more ease, shall we say. So all of that is worth considering when it comes to Kyle Kuzma. Now I want to focus on AD a little bit. And I think this is important. And we're going to end on this point. We saw when LeBron James tried to give Anthony Davis the number 23, we saw sort of a a seating of uh, of the throne. We'll call it right. LeBron tried to extend the olive branch to Anthony Davis and say, Hey, man, this is your team now. That's significant, and I don't think people understand how significant it is. LeBron James, when it's all said and done, may very go, go down in the history books as the best player of all time. The best player of all time, okay. And I know that's going to be up for debate before my time and after my time. But LeBron James is going to be in that conversation. And for and for most, he already is. LeBron James chose to come to Lakers during a time where this franchise was basically dormant. It was a sleeping giant. And now he's brought Anthony Davis. Yes, you heard me correctly. He's brought Anthony Davis. And he's telling AD, hey, man, this is yours now. LeBron is doing the Lakers a favor like we haven't seen in a while. This is a huge deal. Let's not undersell it. And even though the number thing worked out how it was, because Nike was like, nah, man, we ain't going to lose all that money. You're crazy. We, we love you. We'll give you the lifetime deal, but we're not going to lose out on all that cash. That's, that's ridiculous, right? According to Chris Haynes of Yahoo, when, Le- when Anthony Davis came out and said, hey, I want to be defensive player of the year, all this stuff, according to Chris Haynes, LeBron went to Lakers and held explicit conversations with, quote, higher-ups in the organization and expressed his views on why it's imperative, imperative, that Davis becomes the focal point of this team's offensive identity, end quote. And I would say, I'll take it a step further, I would say Davis is going to become imperative at both ends of the floor. And even Anthony Davis said, look, I want to be defensive player of the year. He said, I've kind of been the focal point of my career, so that's nothing new to me. But what he added was, quote, I want to be defensive player of the year. I think if I'm able to do that, I can help this team win. The offensive end will come around, but defensively, I want to hold myself, teammates, including LeBron, accountable in order for us to take on the challenge of being the best we can defensively, end quote. That's what a leader does. A leader is willing to hold his teammates, his colleagues, his friends, his peers accountable, even and especially when it's difficult. And there hasn't been a player on this roster capable of holding LeBron James to a higher standard or a coach except for now with Anthony Davis. And I think also on a much lighter note, this is also where Jason Kidd can help with the accountability factor that Frank Vogel may not have because he's just not an ex-player. And I know that's ridiculous for some, but that's how it is. Okay? So now you have somebody who is talented, who LeBron obviously endorses, who is willing to hold himself, LeBron, and everybody else to a higher standard. That is going to be difficult. But this is what leadership looks like, and this is how teams achieve more than the sum of the talent that's on the roster. This is how they supersede the names alone. They have a collective identity that is larger than the individual's one. Right? The sum collectively is greater than the parts of the whole. And that's what these Lakers need to buy into. And I love that Anthony Davis is focused on being a better three-point shooter, especially with Dwight Howard down low, JaVale McGee down low. He's going to find himself on the perimeter. 
and I think he can bounce back. This Lakers team should have more spacing than a number of rosters that we've seen in the last several years, right? But there's a lot of newness as well. And the Lakers are going to have to work out those kinks early. In some ways, if DeMarcus Cousins was going to get hurt, it was a blessing that he got hurt when he did. Because imagine if the Lakers go through training camp with DeMarcus Cousins as their starting center, and a week before opening night, he's out for the year. Then you have to reset those last two-plus months. So the Lakers have an opportunity here to build a foundation that they haven't had in a while. But it's going to take more than the coach and more than the support staff. It's going to take these guys holding themselves and, and each other accountable. That's LeBron and AD all the way down the roster to rookie Taylor Horton Tucker. Jared Dudley will help in that capacity. Avery Bradley can help in that capacity. Danny Green, Contavious Caldwell-Pope, those guys can help in that capacity. But ultimately, it's LeBron and AD, and if they're not holding each other accountable, nothing else is going to matter. There's 10 days until Lakers training camp, and I'm finally just kind of, it's smacking me in the face how excited I am. Anthony Davis is a Laker. LeBron James is a Laker. The Lakers are a legitimate title contender in a Western Conference that may have never, may have never been this competitive. And if you're not excited about that, I'm going to ask you to check your pulse, check again, and then check a third time. Go in your closet, see if you got any Lakers gear and wondering why you're listening to this podcast because clearly this might not be the show for you. But if you're feeling like I'm feeling, this is the show for you. Welcome in, welcome back, stick with us because we're going to be here all season long. Okay, I'm thrilled. Let's do this. Hopefully Kyle Kuzma and Dwight Howard's ready to embrace new roles. Anthony Davis is ready to lead by example. LeBron James has never had more rest in his life when it comes to basketball. And I'm dead serious about that. LeBron James has never had more rest in his life to prepare for a basketball season. This is redemption season. The Lakers have a redemption narrative to them. And they're coming stronger than they were last year with more accountability, more leadership, and more overall ability. That can be a very dangerous combination if channeled correctly. And I think the Lakers might just have something special. Until next time, I'm Ethan Noroff. Remember, rate, review, subscribe, Apple Podcasts, and the Hoopball Lakers Show. We'd love to hear from you. Appreciate you guys listening. As always, until then, we out. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.